Coffee Metal Podcast, episode 81. Greetings and welcome to the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast. I am your host, Don Cardenas, and this is the podcast where I talk to creatives about comics, coffee, and metal. I've had a lot of uh, new listeners jump on lately, so I'm incredibly appreciative of that. And just a quick rundown, if you're new to the show, uh, every other week I try to recommend some comics, some metal, some coffee, if applicable, and then I go and I get an amazing guest and they give me a portion of their time and we have a great conversation about those things and so much more. So a quick update for me, for anyone who's been following, I have finally finished these two big projects that have been, uh, well, one big project, one smaller project that have just been grinding me to a, a nub lately. And I am so glad to be done with them. I'm proud of proud of them first and foremost but yeah it was, a, it was a lot of work so i'm looking forward to taking a few days off here and then jumping right back into it because i have more stuff <laughs> there's always more stuff more art to be drawn more comics to be made more music to be made more guitars to play so yeah but th- that portion is hopefully behind me now and everything planned out until i overschedule myself again seems to be uh th- smoother sailing we'll call it that so yeah and on that note i am gearing up to add a bunch of more cool stuff to my patreon stuff that's more kind of evergreen type of stuff i'm planning on going through all 15 of my guitars and doing a video for each one kind of going over the history of it why i like it what i use it for and kind of demo it out a bit on top of some you know proper demos of some newer stuff i got uh going deeper into some of the comics I've loved and have kind of shaped how I want to make comics. And yeah, and also just trying more coffees. (laughs) There's never enough coffee to try. So that will be all on my Patreon, which will be linked in the show notes as well. And then, yeah, I'm just trying to get all this kind of fun stuff going. And that's not to say, though, I still don't have plenty of comics to make. I'm still working on my project with Steve Bryant, our creator-owned project that I'm incredibly stoked about. And uh, we took a little bit of a hiatus when working on it because I had these other things happening. But I'm super excited to get back onto there. And also because I think I, with these projects, I've become a better artist. So I'm excited to like take that to this project that uh, I'm really passionate about as well and see where that goes. I got some more shorts planned with uh, my... Uh, you know, frequent collaborator, Philip Butehorn. He's got more crazy shit for me to draw. So can't wait to do that. And yeah, so enough yapping. Let's get to these recommendations. I got some good ones this week. They're always good. That's why I'm recommending them. Uh, Get it together, Don. Okay. So for my first music recommendation this week, I have the album malicious intent from malevolence. Malevolence is a hardcore metalcore style band and while that's not entirely a genre i'm fully versed in i can say that i think this is absolutely excellent (laughs) uh it's very very aggressive as you would expect but it's got a lot of groove to it there's there's a lot of like just pure kind of like passion behind it there's it's not like aggression for aggression's sake you can feel the vibe of it coming off with these songs one thing that struck me 
kind of uh, right off the bat is the vocals. They they're very reminiscent of, for better or worse, depending on your opinion, Five Finger Death Punch. Like the tonality of the singer's voice, and it's I'm fine with that. I I, I think it's a, a fine sound, but if you're like cannot stand that <laughs> tone of voice at all, I would think this is probably not for you. Um, that said, if you kind of like that sound, but like maybe are kind of wary of the five finger death punch kind of are they, aren't they, uh, you know, politically your thing, <laughs> then I think Malevolence is up your alley. Like I said, there's just a ton of groove on this album, especially from the opener Malicious Intent, uh, on Broken Glass. There's a song here with Matthew Heafy from Trivium called Salvation that is just absolutely killer. Um, and also, on top of it all, it's 38 minutes. Like, in, out, just decimation, done. Um, there is, I, I struggle to say this is a low point of the album, but there is a uh, a ballad on the album that I think just kind of, it doesn't fit. Not that these types of albums can't have ballads and can't have those slower moments. For some reason, I feel like it just doesn't, fit in with the rest of this album and it actually is kind of the low point that said it doesn't overstay its welcome and you might enjoy it yourself it may grow on me who knows this album has only been out for a couple weeks so you know you know how things go with that right so yeah malicious intent malevolence i think it's a pretty killer record if you're looking for something balls to the wall groovy and full up of a whole lot of get up and go this is definitely an album for you uh i'm gonna pick the track on broken glass to give you guys an idea of what this sounds like and here it is a second album recommendation this week for you and that is the brand new album a heartless portrait the orphean testament from evergrey evergrey is definitely one of my probably top 10 bands right now they are just in a sense epically cinematic is 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 this kind of the term my head keeps bringing up for them whenever i think about their music it's got like equal parts power metal, but they're tuned down lower, so it's just got this extra thickness to everything. Uh, Tom Englund's vocals are, you know, there's no really any screaming on here. It's all very big vocals, and his lyrics and his tonality is all very melancholic. So it's just like, it's just such a, a pleasurable experience <laughs> to listen to. Um, the riffs just. You know, you can throw a stone on any one of their albums at any one of those songs, and you're just going to find just badass riffs everywhere. 
the guitar playing, the solos are just chock full of like awesome technical stuff, but also very melodic and meaningful. And yeah, I've been a fan of Evergrave for probably the past six or so years. And while their last two albums, Escape of the Phoenix and The Atlantic, weren't 100% hits for me, I still enjoyed a ton of those albums. Uh, But this one is right up there with The Storm Within, which is the album that hooked me on Evergrey. They got just big vocals, big melodies, and just incredible songwriting. Now, with the last album from Elevalence that I kind of mentioned that the ballad in that album kind of brought everything down, Evergrey has their fair share of ballads and that type of stuff. But like I said, just... The whole thing with them is is a drama, drama, <laughs> drama, Jesus. Uh, so, yeah, it's this, it's it's all part of the package because they have such intensity with these other songs that, like, yeah, I keep going back to that term, epically like cinematic. Now, I don't believe they do concept albums in the traditional sense, uh, the, the, but this all feels very cohesive, very much like one experience, one giant uh, I guess world as opposed to like one story it's a, it's a bigger thing but it's all kind of connect now uh, I can't I can't really pick a, a favorite song so far off this album I mean the opener save us is just perfect evergrey like it is like 100% perfect evergrey like it's like you think yeah Don that's the one you pick that's when you show people but yeah the songs are also so good <laughs> Like the Orphean Testament, that's just such a banger. It's just uh, blindfolded uh, towards the end. They just like ratchet up everything back to twelve, and it's, oh man, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have to blindly pick here. I'm just gonna randomly point to my screen, the album loaded up, and find out what we're gonna pick. And we're gonna do okay. Somehow I still managed to pick the first track. So save us, Evergrey, A Heartless Portrait, The Orphean Testament. Definitely check it out. Kangas, and I'm actually the co-host of Comics Inebriated, a podcast about current and past events for history and weird facts about comics, pop culture. And all the while, uh, we actually sit down with our fun special guests and have a quick drink. And one of those guests is actually Don of this very podcast. So come over, come hang out, come listen to it, and enjoy your time for the rest of this podcast. All right, for my first comic book recommendation this week, I have Gilgamesh Eternal number one. 
from Cameron Kirkow, Costas Pantulas, and Mira Mortal. That is written, art, and lettered by, respectively. Now, this book is essentially the story of Gilgamesh, but it is done in such a way that is very reminiscent to me of like the classics illustrated comics and books that uh, I've more than read a few of in, in my younger days. And yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was a really cool experience. I was unfamiliar with the story of Gilgamesh. I don't think I could explain it any better than the awesome write-up that Cameron has on up at on the Gumroad. It is Witness the World's First Story, Retold in the World's Greatest Storytelling Medium. Nice. That was a nice one. Gilgamesh the God King ruled over Yurik as a tyrant until he was humbled by the beastman Enkidu. With Enkidu's support, Gilgamesh earns the love of his people. Finally, a man who has everything he can think of nothing else to do but travel the world in search of even greater glory. Alas, he searches too far and makes too many enemies, and they will make sure he loses everything. Uh, that's a damn fine uh, write-up, solicit, whatever you want to call it, Cameron. So, uh, A-plus job there. Yes, this book is really, really fun. It's just the first issue. They have the second issue uh, almost ready to kickstart, I believe. There will be a link for that uh, notification in the show notes as well, as a link where you can buy this first issue from Cameron. And yeah, it's just a really fun you know, historical story drawn beautifully. Like I said, the style is very reminiscent of those classic illustrated and all that and the coloring and it's it's not dated or anything like that by by the by a long shot but it's just really cool it's, it's very nostalgic almost but you know it still it has a lot of a lot of like modern flares to it really really awesome stuff uh, i can't wait to read the second issue see where this goes and yeah highly recommend it link is in the show notes below gilgamesh eternal number one All right, my second comic book recommendation this week is the collected edition of The Catch from Steve Bryant, Ismail Canales, Miria Gerbao, Roger Soroka, Jason Millet, and edited by Chris Murren. Now, The Catch is the story of Lucy Chase, a bail bondswoman for supervillains. <laughs> so when they skip town after uh, they pay bail, she's tasked with going, finding them, and bringing them back. It's a really, really fun concept. And while Steve is a friend and collaborator, it was, there's like no, you know, objectivity here or subjectivity. I don't know. I don't know words good. Basically, there, there, there's, there's no uh, shenanigans here in my recommendation. It is just a really, really fun book. Beautifully drawn by Ismail. Uh, the colors are, are awesome as well. And yeah, it's, you know, about Lucy trying to get this, uh, they call them a skip when they skip the bail. And it covers a larger mystery, and it's just, it's chock full of awesome world building and just kind of throws you right in. And it's kind of fun to see, like, another side of some, of a kind of like a real world, but with superheroes kind of situation to something that would probably be a thing, right? So it is a ton of fun. Steve's uh, kickstarted all three issues before and he also did the collected edition for volume one and i got that in the mail and it's just it was a, a total joy and blast to read there's a ton of awesome extras in the back and yeah you know if you know the name steve bryant you know he's an, a fantastic creator long pedigree of amazing projects 
Uh, Ismail has been working with him on Athena Voltaire and now with the catch and they make a fantastic team. They really do. So yeah, I highly recommend this out, the catch all links in the show notes below. Oh, hello, fellow humans. You caught me in the middle of drinking coffee while reading comics and listening to metal. Do you ever get curious about how your favorite creators get their inspiration? Have you ever wondered what led them down this path? Well, join me, noted comic book heartthrob Grant Stoy, as I do deep dive interviews with some of the best comic book folks around on Into the Comics Cave. Each week we examine a creator's history and find out stuff like where they grew up or whether or not birds with lips are sexy. You can find us on Apple, Stitchers, and most anywhere you stream your podcast. Now back to my favorite hugger in the world, Don Cardenas. All right, and it is now time for my guest. Of all the people that have been re- I've gotten requests to have on the show, I think there are three I've gotten the most. And today's guest is certainly one of those top three. <laughs> uh, I'm incredibly happy to have this gentleman on the show. Uh, his work from Space Millet to Extremity to Murder Falcon to the upcoming Dual Power Bomb has just been a, a meteoric rise. But before we get into any of that, Daniel Warren Johnson, Comics Coffee Metal. What are you digging right now? Out of all those categories? What are you digging from each of those categories, sir? We are mm, all in on this. All in. Got it. Okay. Gosh. Okay. Uh, comics, I am digging. I know I'm behind the times on this one, so I apologize to everybody. But uh, I'm reading Something is Killing the Children. I just finished volume one and I loved it. Um, I'm all aboard the hype train. I think it's great. Um, gosh, for coffee, I have a, um, espresso machine here at home that I love. Yeah. Rachel got it for me for Christmas two years ago now. And, uh, we found this coffee that we really like from an Italian, uh, bakery down the street, uh, downtown Chicago, um, that we love. And I've been really enjoying that. It makes for really easy pulls of espresso, shots of espresso. So that's really great. Um, and then metal. Oh boy, I'm listening to this band now called Halas. I don't know if you've heard of them, but Halas. they are they're kind of like prog rock. They're not really metal, but they do have some metalish influences. And um, this song, they have this song off their first record. It's called Star Rider. It is so good, and there's this, like, just beautiful, beautiful guitar solo in it that just takes you places, and mm-hmm. I can't recommend them enough. Halas. There's two dots over the A. I don't okay. know how to actually pronounce it. Uh, they're from Sweden, but um, they're fantastic. I know, that's, that's awesome. You know, I've, I've said this on a show before, but as much as I try to be knowledgeable about new bands and stuff, there's just so much metal out there. So much hard rock metal stuff out there that 100% it feels like, you know, guests will tell me, I'm really digging this band. I'm like, I've never heard of this band before. Now I have a new band to go check out. Yep. Um, I'm not, I'm not a super big prog guy, but I definitely can get into some of it. Uh, so I would definitely check this out. Um, totally. So Halas. Awesome. Awesome. 
Uh, you mentioned the espresso machine, though, and I think you're the first guest to actually have an express an es- I'm sorry, espresso machine. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we've had the gamut of coffee lovers here on the show. We've had people who you know, will take anything that's a black hot liquid <laughs> to very specific uh, blends and and uh, brands and all that. So, but yeah, no one no one's uh, mentioned espresso. I've I can't say. I've really had a an espresso myself. Like the closest I've gotten is probably whatever, you know, qu- quotes espresso Starbucks has. Mm, um, okay, I, I'm sure that's not true to it. There's a couple uh, coffee YouTubers I follow that have have me interested in checking some of that out. But do you do much with with it? Do you, is it are you is it just like you put a little creamer or you just drink it black or? Um, so I usually do a macchiato, so it's uh, a shot of espresso with, like, a splash, uh, like a literal splash of, like, steamed milk. Okay. Um, so I will usually do that. Uh, sometimes I will have just a shot of espresso. I love, um, I love having espresso at nighttime, so I'll have, like, some decaf espresso sometimes if, if it, you know, we're celebrating with friends or whatever. Um, doesn't taste as good, but it's very comforting. Um, and it is a, you know, I love pour over coffee. I mean, I make that mm-hmm. too, but I don't make it as much during the summertime cause okay. it just is too hot. Um, I get iced coffee at Starbucks a lot. <laughs> I, I, you wouldn't, listen. you wouldn't catch me dead having a, a espresso at Starbucks, but uh, I'll have their iced coffee any day of the week. Uh, you know, I hear that. Uh, I've heard that quite a bit though. Like, uh, my wife doesn't, she cannot stand, uh, the Starbucks hot coffee okay but she'll have an iced americano you oh know, she'll, yep she'll she'll do that um you know I'm, so i make iced americanos with the so when i don't make it to starbucks i i will make myself an iced americano during nice. the summer uh on the espresso machine and it tastes amazing every time i'm 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 the i'm the dork who still has like hot coffee when it's like 90 degrees out like occasionally <laughs> like occasionally i'll go like i'll have like an iced chai whatever from from starbucks which is basically a, a sugar bomb tea <laughs> whatever but yeah i but and we used to, like, there was a while a good summer my wife and i were, were just uh we're doing a lot of remodeling on our house and we were just hooked on just dunkin donuts iced coffee love it and because it, it was it was but it was so funny because i felt like every day we we're getting it from a different place even though it was the same location because the, the the drastic amounts of sugar or cream they would put in when you say sugar and cream was yep. so like the birth of it was so wide it was, it's like you just don't know what you're gonna get um, it's true i say easy cream in my iced coffee and it is all different shades every yeah. time and that's nice. kind of fine it's like an adventure i've gotten used to it at this point <laughs> nice 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 um and uh going back you I've heard a lot about something is killing the children. And that is one of those books where I definitely have to get off my butt and get the first volume and read. Cause you know, I'm, I'm far behind. And for the show, I try to recommend a comic every episode. So, you know, it kind of forces me to read something, but yeah. sometimes I don't get to something or, or, you know, and thankfully sometimes people will be like, Hey, can you talk about my comic in your show? And they'll send it to me. And I'm like, Hey, this is pretty rad. Like I can talk about this. Cool. You know, two birds, one stone. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely have to, cause I, I see a lot of like the covers and the visuals from it. I'm like, this looks really cool. And I just, it's just one of those things where it's like, I sit down to, to, to find something to read 
and it just escapes my brain. And I'm just like, what was that? What was that thing? And then I just end up like, you know, scrolling through and, and then uh, getting frustrated with the Comixology app and then going to bed. <laughs> I do the same exact thing when it comes to movies that I want to watch and I always oh, forget. Yeah. I need to have yeah. some sort of master list somewhere. Yeah. I always lose mine. Yeah. It's, I brought like, we've like not necessarily shifted from physical media because we still have like a bunch of our Blu-rays and DVDs and stuff, but uh, I'm like, well, I have a Blu-ray player on my computer. Like, let me start watching some of my old Blu-rays or put, put those in or whatever. And I always forget to whenever I'm like, okay, I'm going to work. I'm going to have something on in the background. And so then I always just end up like, uh, spending way too much time trying to find a YouTube thing or something to put on the background or, oh, yeah. picking, or, you know, I'm trying to get back into working to music because, uh, I feel like I don't get a lot of opportunities to listen to music during the day. So okay. I'm definitely trying to like do that when you're working. Do you put, a, do you have a preference of like listening to music or having like a show on or like a, uh, like you said, like a movie or something, or I try and start my day with either music or a podcast, something that will not require me to be watching the uh, to watching a screen. Um, and as the day progresses, I will usually put on like some TV or something like a bad TV show or something mm-hmm. where uh, it's like trash television, where like I'm actively not watching it; it's just kind of in the background. Yeah, and I I really like that. That helps me get to work. Um, helps keep me in the chair as well. Cause it's just trashy enough that I want to leave the desk. I'm like, Oh, I want to see what keeps <laughs> happening. You know, yeah. it's a fine balance. Every once in a while, you'll run into something that's just a little too good. Yeah. And then I need engaging, the willpower yeah. to turn it off. Like, uh, we own the city. I started watching the first few minutes of that and I was like, Nope, this is not a show <laughs> that I can have on in the background. I need to put this away for a while and watch yeah. it when I'm done. Yeah. Uh, with work. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I had that with, um, what was it? Uh, the IT crowd when I finally decided to try to give that a shot and spaced mm. when I got my wife gave me the DVD of that like years and years ago. I'm like, oh, I'm finally going to, yeah, I'll, I'll put this on or whatever. And I'm like, I, I'm just glued to this. <laughs> so, yeah, usually, usually for me, it's pretty easy to like love the billion guitar YouTubers I, fo- I follow. Like, it's easy for me just like to put on their video and just like zone out and then like, you yep. know, and, and not have to look over and all that just because. One, I'm familiar with them, and two, I'm not really getting. There's not really a, a ton of like, oh, I need to watch this. Like, I know what a fifty-one fifty looks like, an amp yep. fifty-one fifty looks like. You know, you know, I so you know, I know what a Les Paul looks like. I don't have to like get the visual of it. I know all about the YouTube zone out. That's the, yeah. that, that's that's <laughs> the struggle is real, bro. Yeah, it's uh, but you know, there's there's I've I've learned a lot from YouTube. Though I, I cannot lie, I've learned a lot about recording and mixing and and music from YouTube, and I actually have uh, I was uh, gifted some uh, courses on guitars <laughs> from you, uh, not from YouTubers, but by you you know YouTube people I follow from other people, and you know there's a lot of great info out there. It and that's the thing too when I when I'm, when there's a video where I'm like, oh actually I, I actually can learn from this, like I got to switch, I'll save for later, <laughs> I'll go back yep. to that. You know exactly. Yep, there's a difference. I got you. Um, so you know, anyone who follows you knows that music's a huge part of your life. Um, totally, yeah. And my listeners will know that I will talk about guitars at any point, and I will make it dominate the show. 
<laughs> we're not gonna get. We're, we're not. We're gonna get there. We're not gonna get there just yet. We're gonna. We'll probably save that for last. <laughs> okay, right on. <laughs> and then a high note because, um, you know, it's just a fun thing to talk about. But uh, I do want to pick your brain about music and all that because, well, first and foremost, you had a great interview on the Comic Tropes YouTube channel with uh, Chris Pierce. Um, that I suggest everyone go listen to. It was a great deep dive into your history and thank you kind of how you got to where you are, you know, the, the, the path you took and the, and the things that happened and, uh, comics tropes is a fantastic YouTube channel. Everyone should go check it out. Uh, so, but after I, I, I watched that recently and cause that just dropped, I think last week as of recording and I'm like, well, this kind of lets some pressure off of me because <laughs> I can, I can, cause this, this is like the nitty gritty. You guys, I even messaged you from something from that episode because you're talking about the type of graphite you're using. And I'm like, like, wait a second, you know, that's exactly the problem I'm having whenever I draw traditionally. <laughs> like, what, you know, and then it's the thing where it's like, you bought a nicer graphite and like, hey, this actually works. And it's like, who knew a higher quality product works better? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, you don't want to believe it, but it does. <laughs> I was telling, I was, I was telling Ryan Brown, okay. uh, he was, he asked me that. He was like, dude, how are you like pulling that off for it with, you know, how, dark your pencil lines are i was like what kind of letter are you using he's like i don't know and i was like that's your problem bro you don't know and i i, I that's a very right answer yeah and i i messaged him back and i told him i, was, I use neoc graphite and he's like okay I'll, I'll check it out and sure enough dude he came back and he's like holy crap this is a game changer <laughs> and it is a game changer for you listeners that also make comics neoc's graphite like Neox, come on, give me a call, bro. Give me a call, guys. Yeah, we, for real. We, send me. I, I go the, through it so fast. You see the way I pencil. <laughs> yeah, we need that signature, uh, signature series. Daniel Warren Johnson lead. Hundred percent. What size lead do you use? Do you use the? Uh, was it the 005 or the 07? 09. 09. Okay, you got thicker lead there. Okay. I do because I um I don't like um what's the word. I, I don't um, like having it too small because then I'll get mm-hmm. too lost in the details. And, you know, I'm a messy penciler, really messy. But I don't like using like a lead holder, you know, like with the really because I don't like having yeah. to sharpen it. Yeah, those. Yeah, it's so much sharpening. <laughs> yeah, I, I just need to move faster. Um, and that's kind of that's that's why you see me <laughs> uh, using 09, which is yeah. like kind of intense. But yeah. Awesome, awesome. Uh, when so yeah, traditionally, you know, when I when I draw traditionally, traditionally, um, let's say that five times fast. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's always been a struggle because I'm a very heavy-handed person, and finding like the right tools and the right methods of things was always a struggle because when I would first started using like brush pens and all that, I got the heavier brush pens and all that. And my lines were so damn thick, but the style, but the style I drew in didn't really accommodate that, you know? Mm. So it was just, you know, and I think, um, I'm trying to remember who I I did a bunch of inking, you know, practice on, on some pros who let me get some pages. And one of them told me that like, your lines are just so damn thick. And I'm just like, (laughs) what is that? I'm like, okay, what is like, what do I do? Like, just make, what do you mean? Like, just make them thinner or like, 
what am I doing wrong? And for the longest time, I was like, I got to use a smaller and smaller brush and, 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 or a brush pen or whatever, and thinner and finer. And it wasn't until I, a couple years ago, I switched over to the iPad. And I, uh, found, okay. I found that, one, I could not press down as hard as I wanted to because <laughs> I was literally bending the screen. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, I couldn't grip the pencil as much as I wanted to because it would cause me pain. Um, and I finally found an, uh, inking pen, pen brush that they use there and the right stabilization settings that felt natural enough to me and kind mm. of like gave me the line that was very similar to what I was getting. And then I was just able to like play with things really quickly there. And I think that kind of just like clocked everything in place for me. Um, nice. And I bring this up just because it became kind of a manner of like, finding my you know finding my way there and then like working on efficiency and one thing i've noticed with you is like it seems like you strive for that with your art like efficiency like you said like uh you know you you don't have time to mess around (laughs) you're like i gotta get this done um and you know it you have a style that also you mentioned like you can get lost into details but your style has that look of just being imp- and just like insanely detailed. And then when you, when, and when you kind of look at it, you're like, okay, you can, if you, it's like, almost like you zoom into it, it, you can kind of see like this chaos, but with it's as a whole, it's kind of all reined in. It's like, what the, how the fuck did he do this? <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> and you know, when I say chaos, I mean that in the, in the most beautiful way possible. Um, I got you. It, it's, this is like, it's like, how, what and it's just like if i it's it's one of those things where like if i if i'm i'm not saying this specifically about you if i notice like an, an artist i admire even though i do admire you don't get me wrong there um and i see something on their work that would be considered like oh that line went too far this way or like something that <laughs> should have been like quote, quote unquote corrected i mm. pay no mind to it i'm just there mm. for the whole thing but then i see that in my own work and i'm like that's a fucking travesty what is this <laughs> <laughs> how 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 did I not complete that window pane? Like you know, oh, you know, how did I let, let that line just like kind of like not be finished? And totally, that's the struggle I have because you know that's my, that's my own hangups and, and figuring out how I do things. But mm, okay, um, how much of so w- was there like a huge uh, trial and error for you to figure out? Like this is a long way of getting to this actually. So, but was there a long way no of, around getting to? how you pencil like where as was there ever a point where you had super detailed pencils and then you started inking because it kind of feels like know. yeah yeah i mean i don't know if i ever really had a period in my life where i was like a super uh super detailed when it came to the pencils um i think sometimes what i will do nowadays is if i'm feeling really stuck you know, sometimes I'll have a string of pages where things just are not going my way. Mm-hmm. I will try and slow down and I'll try and be a little more intentional about making sure my pencils look right and, you know, everything kind of like goes together well. And I'll just take a little more time to make sure that things are correct. Sometimes I get into a groove and a good groove, like a positive yeah. thing where I'm just flying. And that just feels, I'm feeling good. I feel like I've got, I'm in control. 
But then, you know, it happens to all of us at some point, you know, where, uh, you know, we were, we had a good run and all of a sudden <laughs> things have gone south, yeah. like so fast. So I am trying to think of a time when I was slower. Any time that I was slower with a pencil was a time where, like, I wasn't doing a great job of, like, listening to my own self and how I wanted to make um, lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just, a part of me, part of, like, me becoming a pro and I feel like part of my success is just trying to, like, really accept who I am as an artist and, like, just kind of falling into that as much as I could. Um, and that means just, you know, not taking my time with the pencils and sometimes it's messy, sometimes more so than other times, but, uh, yeah, I, any other way just feels so unnatural to me. And I feel like the lines eventually suffer by me trying to be somebody that I'm not. I remember like thinking that James Heron was a fast artist (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, James like is very intentional about every line that he puts down. Um, to the point where, you know, like it really takes, it takes him a while to make a page. And I remember like seeing some of his originals for the first time and be like, man, I need to spend more time on my pages. And I just couldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I like, I I don't know what's wrong with me. I could Mm -hmm. not do it. So, um, I, I just draw like. I feel like every day is an exercise in trying to find out who I am as an artist a little bit more. Um, that's a very romantic way to say that, but there you go. <laughs> no, that's 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 a a very truthful thing to say for for so many of us. Because um, it's easy to say someone like you or Ryan Stegman, you know, you're pro level. You're you're getting the work. You're doing things but you're still pushing, you're still changing mm-hmm. things. You're still trying to go here from there. Cause uh, you know, and I, and I bring Ryan a segment up just because, you know, he's someone who I remember when he first kind of broke through and then he started kind of like just playing with his style a whole bunch. And now he's oh, yeah. like, he's like some sort of like beast, <laughs> you know, uh, Quesada, you know, with his old style and just like this, all these things that he's like, I've seen him like admire and, and talk about and do that. Just kind of like coalesce into, into this, what he is now. Totally. And, you know, and I'm sure the same is for you. I can't pull that visually in my head just because you, the influences you have are not inf- influences I'm familiar with, <laughs> mm. but yep. from space mullet to now, it's easy to see you know, how much you've pushed things, especially with movement and form and, and motion. And I struggle to think of any, you know, any artist that I would say does movement better than you do right now. Thank you. And, you know, and for that alone, that's, that, that has me like totally interested in do a power bomb <laughs> because <laughs> Growing up, you know, I'm I'm a you know I, I'm gonna be forty this year. I grew okay. up in in the WWE early late eighties, early nineties era where it was just you know everyone knew about it. Everyone knew you know all the big stuff. That that's kind of 
the 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 most of the '90s is kind of my reference point for wrestling. After that, I don't really know too much. Sure, sure. And then seeing this resurgence of like, I don't know if it's a resurgence, but well, I guess resurgence, yeah, because you have like AEW and stuff like that coming up. But seeing like how many comics people cross over with wrestling, yeah, and 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 the thing of I I correct me if I'm wrong, but I swear it was just like a couple of years ago. I think you even tweeted this out like you're like I'm thinking about getting into wrestling. Where should I start? And then <laughs> and then now <laughs> you're probably drawing some of the best damn wrestling ever to appear in comics. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I I just remember like. Oh man, I think it was Ramon Villalobos yeah, drawing uh, Tetsuya Naito in a hotel room. Uh, I think it was maybe like Heroes or Emerald City, maybe. I can't remember which show. And I was looking over his shoulder and I was like, man, who are you drawing? That's so cool. And he was like, dude, this is Naito. You don't know about Naito? And I was like, no, like, what is it? He's like, he wrestles for New Japan. I'm like, what's New Japan? And uh, Thank you, Ramon. He kind of helped me get into it, and I liked his drawing so much. I was like, I gotta check. I, I Google imaged him. I was like, this guy looks so cool. <laughs> and uh, it's cool to get that feeling of something that you know nothing about, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, nowadays it's so easy to uh, know so much, you know, and, like, be so knowledgeable. So to have, like, a new thing that was, like, such a mystery to me is honestly really refreshing, and I'm mm-hmm. always looking for things like that. Uh, to kind of get my artistic brain kind of like kickstarted into a do- new direction. And wrestling was that thing for me. And in 2018, as a way to kind of like just have something to watch while my kid wouldn't sleep, uh, you know, bouncing around my living room, I put on New Japan <laughs> and I fell in love with it. I really did. And uh, I've been a huge fan of wrestling since, yeah, 2018. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's I, th- I feel like since 2018, there's like the wrestling comics Twitter thing. Like so many people talk about wrestling now that I know quite a bit, I think, and I don't watch any of it. <laughs> I just know yeah. because, you know, uh, I know you don't post too much on online and all that. And, but like guys like Land Pitts and Ramon and uh, a bunch of my other buddies, like they, they're all just talking about the shows happening and what's going on. And I'm, and I, I'm following along, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, you know, w- with all these things, so it's just like, okay, you know, but I, I just not have made, I just haven't made that leap yet into checking mm. it out. I, I feel like it's inevitable, though. I feel like at one it, point I'm gonna just gonna be like, catch one, catch one of these shows or something, and it's gonna be it. I'm gonna be done. I'm gonna be hooked. I feel like it's time to come into the fold, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Let us welcome you to the dark. Uh, so. You know, throughout, uh, I think a, a theme throughout your work is you import a lot of personal experience, personal uh, emotions into these big, sprawling stories from, you know, Extremity to Murder Falcon. And I'm kind of curious to what, if any, of that is being brought into Doer Powerbomb, if you can talk about that at all. Oh, first, mm-hmm. actually, first and foremost, in case anyone listening has not heard about Do a Powerbomb, <laughs> uh, which I highly doubt, but could you let them know what the book's going to be about? Yeah, so Do a Powerbomb is a seven-issue miniseries coming out at uh, Image Comics June 15th of this year, and um, 
gosh, it tells the story of a pro wrestler, Lona Steel Rose, who is living under the shadow of her mom, who was at one point the uh, champion, the, the heavy, like the heavyweight champion of the world uh, in uh, all of wrestling. And she's kind of living with this uh, past of, of her mom being a wrestler and her wanting to follow in her mom's footsteps. But there's a cataclysmic event that happens to Lona as, at a young age which really alters the course of uh, her arc and, and where she goes in the story. And it does involve a necromancer and it does involve a tournament and it is awesome. Nice. <laughs> necromancer tournament wrestling. I'm hooked. Um. <laughs> I, I love, you know, I want, I really love, um, I love manga and I love Dragon mm-hmm. Ball Z. I love tournament stories. Yes. Yeah. The only thing is that a lot of times those series can just go on forever and they don't really have an ending. I mean, they do have an ending, but you got to really, it takes a long time. And I really wanted to do a, uh, wrestling comic that was tournament based. That was like, had some otherworldly elements to it that are maybe like kind of borrowed more from the comic book world, mm-hmm. some more genre fiction than what would be in a normal pro wrestling story. But at the same time, keeping it grounded enough that our characters are still wrestling within the context of an actual ring and not like, you know, getting power bombed off the moon or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't want it to devolve so far to the point where it's not recognizable as a wrestling comic anymore. I wanted to have that pro wrestling element with the added kind of boost of something to kind of keep things a little interesting, a little more comic booky and, kind of accessible to everybody that could step might step into this world awesome awesome yeah it's the you mentioned the tournament story and i feel like that's such a great such a great setup that comics hasn't really there's been plenty of tournament stories but i I think especially you know american comics haven't really utilized that Mm. well and given i think so much of my generations and i I know you're uh, a few years younger than i uh, but I'm sure you guys were caught up in the wave too of like all these cheesy movies that had tournaments <laughs> as yep. as the crux from best of the best to, <laughs> to you know uh, the quest to even like robot jocks and like you know one of my favorite bad movies Arena I don't know if you ever seen yeah. that one um, it, but having that tournament style there it just creates such automatic tension because the end is it- coming. It, it's going to happen. The end of the tournament is yep. going to happen. So I feel like it's, it sets everybody up to like, this lets you focus on so many other things now, like characterization and the action and stuff like that. Like you got this built intention. Why don't people use it more? So um, hopefully people pay attention because, and it's not to say you're skimping, you're, you'll be skimping on the writing because I think anyone who's read, read any of your creator owned works or any of your, your written works know that that's not the case, but it's just like such a smart, smart thing to do. Work smarter, not harder, right? <laughs> totally. And I think, you know, there's something to be said for uh, just like how tough like tournament comics can be because mm-hmm. there's so much that has to like be redrawn and things are happening in kind of the same location throughout the whole story. And uh, I think I don't know what it is about like American comics, but, you know, the the culture just isn't really. You mentioned like cheesy 80s movies and stuff, and there there is some of that. But in comics, you know, I mean, I, I, other than manga, there is not like you said, there's just like not that many tournament stories out there. 
And that was kind of one of the reasons that I wanted to do it, because I was like, this has not really been done before, and mm-hmm. I want to get into this. Nice. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, well, a, a, as, I, as I was mentioning earlier, like, you, you bring a lot of like, personal you know, fingerprints to your stories to, to kind of you know, either launch the stories or weave into. And is there something like that in Do a Powerbomb? Not that that's a prerequisite to like, have an amazing story that connects with people and all that, but I was just curious if there was an impetus for that. I got you. Um, you know, I think that with every story, I do try and put like a part of myself inside, you know, what inside like my stories and try and make them tick that way. Mm -hmm. I think I've done that a little bit. I don't know if I've done that as much as like, say books like extremity or murder Falcon. Because mm-hmm. I do feel like there's only so much of myself that can like go into stories before I like run out of myself to put in. Uh, that's not to say that like I haven't put my whole heart into the book because I totally have and I believe in it so fiercely. And there are elements uh, of of the book that I feel like definitely do ring true in my own experience, like you know dealing with family and kids growing up and legacy things like that um and honestly like i'm still almost figuring how out as i'm like over halfway through the book how i do fit into the story mm-hmm. and honestly in a lot of ways i don't know if i don't know what's the word i just don't i need like to like look at it in the rearview mirror sometimes, to like really be able to figure out what's going on in my own head and <laughs> my own life. You oh, know, sir, trust me, <laughs> I understand. Right, I completely right? understand. Um, th- there's been uh over the past couple of years, I've been really uh working on my mental health and, and exploring things and uh you know tackling things that should have been tackled many years ago. Uh, and I'm going back and revisiting, you know, songs I wrote or stories I was developing and then seeing like, oh shit, I was talking about that, yep. <laughs> but I didn't realize that's what I was doing. Totally. And, you know, so going back and revisiting things and it's just like, oh, oh wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> I guess there it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes, it, and sometimes even for me to kind of get inside the head of um you know get inside like a story that maybe i was thinking about that isn't hasn't hadn't been working for a long time sometimes i'll have to put it away for a while and come back to it later with a fresh set of eyes and a new way to kind of look at my own self that was you know i just hadn't figured out how to digest it all yet and it just took me a long long time nice yeah i i i I totally get that as well. There was a story um, I was working on a book with uh, a creative book with Steve Bryan. Mm. Um, and uh, it was my idea. I pitched it to him and we were working on it off and on for a couple of years. And it very much stemmed from when my wife was pregnant and thoughts, you know, feelings I have about being a dad and things like that. And it just, I, I found like I wasn't to the point to where I could continue with the story so I right. kind of stopped for a while. And then when I kind of like sat back with it, I'm like, I realized that, you know, I needed more time away because the story was like, I was doing disservice to story because I was making it 
for, you know, I was making it with basically my point of view. Yep. And the character's point of view and what that represents and all that was different. And I needed mm, okay. time away from that idea to kind of okay. work on that. Nice. Okay. Yep. I can see that. And so is, you know, is, is are there stories you have that are kind of like that right now? Like, I, I don't know if you have like a giant, you know, notebook of like stuff I'm going to get to, or is it just like, okay, I'm done with this thing. What am I going to do next? And then you kind of, kind of go from there. Uh, it's a little bit of both. I want, I, I let's see. I really wish that I had all my ducks lined up in a row like that. Uh, sometimes I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, why can't you just come up with the next thing and just decide on it? And, you know, it's just, I just, it just doesn't, I found I can't make myself work like that. It just, things kind of fall into my lap and I have to just kind of roll with what I have at the moment. Mm-hmm. I definitely, I mean, I didn't not want to work on Wonder Woman, but like if I had another idea for a creator on book, I, I would have been very tempted to do that instead mm-hmm. of, you know, working on Wonder Woman and then uh, as well as um, Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. Because like when I had the idea for Beta, when I started Beta Ray Bill, I, I was pretty confident in my do a powerbomb story. I just needed more time to write it and I wanted to work for a company while the pandemic was happening for a little bit. Smart um, moves, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, or well, as it was continuing, you know, so, you know, the, but the reason that, uh, one of the big reasons that I decided to do a, a DC book, do a, that Wonder Woman book was just, I wasn't burned out or anything. I just didn't really have ideas that were fully formed yet. And I do need to feel like there is a place to go, that there's a destination, a goal for the next project so mm-hmm. I could kind of see it in my head. Um, and then just kind of go for it. And I'm trying to figure out what the next thing is now. And I wish I could tell you I knew. I think <laughs> I know. But, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's like, I think I know what I'm doing. But it's also like I am standing at the edge of a cliff. But I'm blindfolded. So I don't really even know <laughs> that it's a cliff. <laughs> uh, you feel the wind coming. You're like, there's something. But I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on here. Yep. Exactly. Um, no, I, I, I totally get that feeling, uh, and that I understand that point of view of just, you know, I think uh, when the pandemic started, I, I was working on uh, my own Patreon comic or whatever, and because I felt like that's what I got to do next, you know, so I was doing it, and I was kind of realizing that it wasn't ready while I was doing it. Mm, okay. And, you know, then the pandemic happened, and personally my own mental health took a severe decline and i kind of just like lost myself for a while and then mm. at one point it, it coincided with getting the ipad as well because i got that and then i'm just like i saw a lot of writers like i'm finally gonna write more short stories now and blah 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 and i just threw it out there like hey man you know other writers you want to work together on some short stories you know i'll offer my services 50 bucks a page up to six pages let's mm-hmm. make some short stories and the response i got was like pretty great and since then it's just been like i've never not had things now from people 
That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, it's been amazing because I've worked with some great people and as my own uh, mental health recovery journey coincided with me kind of finding my voice artistically as well, because there's a lot of stuff tied in, but that's not, this isn't the place for that, <laughs> that discussion. But um, it was, you know, I ended up doing a lot of things I normally wouldn't have done. You know, drawing things I wouldn't have normally drawn and basically getting better and all that because these things just kept coming up to me and I just kept saying, yes, sure, let's do that. Okay. Yep. And over the course of that, all these other stories I was developing, including the one that wasn't ready that I was working on before all this, so much started coalescing with them. So much started forming. And I started like feeling like revived, I guess, because mm. I wasn't okay. forcing it. I wasn't sitting down like, I have to think of this idea for next, the next thing. You know, it was just yep. like, I'm working yep. on this thing. and that. So, you know, I totally understand your point of view of like, okay, obviously, obviously the financial safety <laughs> of working for a company during these sure. times, but also like, I'm going to work on this thing. And while this other thing is, is, is bubbling. I, I totally understand that 1000%. And yeah, so. <laughs> uh, That's great. Well, I think I've, I've picked your brain enough about comics i think we've talked about that uh in, in the methods and things like that but uh before we get into we're going to get the real reason for this for this episode which is guitars um sorry everybody it's going to be very guitar heavy very soon um we oh, have some don't apologize uh we have some, we have some twitter <laughs> questions um well, let's do it so first and foremost from good old john westhoff at anti-drummer he wants to know what's your favorite thing to eat in chicago I think my favorite place to go eat right now, there's two places. I, I love a fancy cheeseburger at Small Cheval. Uh, everybody loves it. It makes me a basic guy, and I don't care. It's that good. Uh, Small Cheval is so good. I went to Cheval before Small Cheval opened up, and I loved the burger so much, but I didn't want to wait two hours for <laughs> it every time. And now I don't have to, because nice. Small Cheval is there, a little like a satellite shop with just burgers and fries. Love it. It's so good. If you're ever in Chicago, you gotta go. And then there is a tiny little place. There's actually three places I need to talk about. There's a tiny uh, place in Chicago that sells uh, sushi. I know, Midwest sushi, but don't judge me just yet. (laughs) It's called Lawrence Fish Market. Uh, They fly in their fish. It's really, really good, and it is really cheap, and I know sushi and cheap do not go well together. But I have eat there once a week, and I love it every single time. It makes me so happy. It is just the best. It is the best. <laughs> um, then the last place is a place called Chicago Colby. It's actually really close to Lawrence Fish Market on the same street, just a block away. It is owned by a, uh, a Japanese-Korean couple. One of them is Korean, one of them is Japanese. So it is a Korean barbecue place, but it has a little bit of a Japanese vibe. Mm-hmm. And they've got photos of uh, famous baseball players, a lot of fe- like Asian uh, baseball players off uh, the MLB that have come in and eaten there and signed baseballs. There's like hundreds of baseballs in there. There's hundreds and hundreds of photos of like celebrities and baseball stars and even like a manga artist <laughs> that are up on the wall. And their food is amazing. And they're so friendly. And it's like they're like in their 70s. Mm-hmm. And it's just like hidden Chicago gem. That really doesn't look much like much from the outside, 
but it is just so good. It's so good. And uh, it's just a great atmosphere. And I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely have to check out the small Cheval burger. I've had so many people tell me about that burger that it just next time I'm in Chicago, I'm going to look it up and, you know, grab a cup and just check that out. Next time I I think you do. Uh, summer's coming, so the uh, my my daughter will be out of school, and we'll be visiting the grandparents probably weekly. So, and I'll have to make my trips to Challengers a little more frequently. So, I'll have to like plan out a whole circuitous route. <laughs> Good <laughs> man, it all out. Um, Matthew Summo wants to know who's your favorite pro wrestler of all time. I think I would have to pick. I think I'd have to pick Kenny Omega. Um, I was following him throughout the G1 in 2018 in Japan when he was still wrestling for New Japan. Mm -hmm. And then when he left for AEW in 2019, you know, I was such a huge fan. I just kind of followed him right there to the, to the, um, to this new promotion. And, you know, he's such an incredible talent. I, I really admire his work ethic and I like how he's really trying to get, uh, women's wrestling mm-hmm. off the ground in a fresh new way, especially like with bringing in Japanese and foreign talent to kind of like show what they have. And, um, you know, I don't know if he's a cool guy or not, but man, that guy can wrestle. And uh, it's such a pleasure watching him perform. He's an incredibly gifted athlete, and he's actually recovering from a bunch of surgeries and injuries that he's had over the years because um, he's just given so much of his uh, body to the sport. And, Man, I just wish him the best, and uh, he's an inspiration, and thank you, Kenny. All right, there you, there you go. Um, there you go. And going back to, like, I knew who you were talking about. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Dude. I've ever seen the man move in my life, but I know who you're talking have about. You, <laughs> have you never seen a Kenny Omega match? No, I have not. I'm going to send you a link to a match, and you're going to watch it, and right. you're going to love it. You're going to be my gateway drug. Got it. <laughs> um, I'm here. I'm here. Come closer. <laughs> Uh, not so much a question, but from Luke Nakashoji, he says, holy shit, no questions, just want to say, holy shit, Daniel fucking rules, have fun. Well, Luke... Dude, thank you so much. <laughs> Luke, you're an awesome dude yourself and a fantastic artist, and your butt's going to be on the show soon enough anyway, so, you know, you fucking rule too. Um, next question is from good old Dave Jordan. He wants to know, uh, how great is Torn Arteries? Torn Arteries is pretty freaking great. Um, I mean, it's, you know, I, I heard something. I was uh, listening to an interview by Carcass, and they were saying that they don't, like, record to a click track. What? I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they, like, kind of play it live to a drummer. I'm not sure exactly how they work it out. They're like super old school. Yeah. You know, like yeah. they haven't really changed their vibes since they started. And it's great. You know, I love how it just it has this organicness that honestly I feel like a lot of death metal today lacks. Um it still has a rock and roll vibe. And uh I don't know if you've ever seen them live, but Carcass Live is amazing. Like they have a fan blowing on all their hair. Mm-hmm. Uh they like have legit like bell-bottom jeans they don't mess around <laughs> nice uh they don't care what you think about them they're just here to shred and to make cool music and uh they're just amazing and i love the record well um i was a newbie to carcass when this album came out like i had known oh, of really i had known of them 
because death metal is not a thing I've been into until like the past couple years. Mm-hmm. And so when this came out, I'm like, okay, people seem to be really excited this coming this is coming out, and I've heard the name, and I listened to it, and I'm like, these guys fucking rock. Like this is awesome. <laughs> and you mentioned the click track thing, and I'm like, that makes total sense. There's such a a natural feel to this album that you know when when they're not you know doing the standard death metal blast beat thing and they're getting into a groove it just it has an extra feeling of just humanity <laughs> i guess with with mm. not, it not it's one of those things where it's like most people wouldn't really notice and it's not to say oh we know because we're musicians or whatever no it's just a thing where it's just like it's that thing you can't really put your put a pin on but when you know it you're yep. like yes that's what it is because recording to a click is great having everything you know whatever for whatever certain music perfectly great but sometimes you just want that feeling and it's not to say like it's you know because there's stuff i've heard that it's like okay they these guys need to tighten up to a click (laughs) and then there's times where it's like you know you know you you want to be around around the beat (laughs) at the very least totally um totally but yeah have you listened to any of their other records uh no uh you know i did i listened to some i couldn't tell you anything off the top of my head just because i've I basically shotgun music all the time trying to find new yeah, music for the show. But I it's they're definitely on my list of bands where it's just like I need just to make need to make like put all their albums on a playlist and just let it play one day and just let it go. I'm kind of, I'm currently doing that with Iron Maiden right now because I'm doing mm. a deep dive into them. But yeah. Um Carcass uh, Torn Arteries, yeah. It's 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 a fucking killer album. Great record. Um, I will recommend to you a death metal band that's new that just came out recently. Uh, their name is Crypta. Uh, C-R-Y-P-T-A? Yes. Uh, it's an all-female, okay. all-female death metal band. They've had pedigree from other bands. I'm spacing on the name, on the names before, but the singer, bass player, was uh, and the guitar player, and the drummer were from a different band. Um, okay. But their first album, Killer. It rules. These ladies don't look like they mess around. No, they, they, uh, I'm pretty sure they're all like five feet tall, but they, I'm pretty sure they could all kick my ass. <laughs> they look like it. They, they look like they could kick my ass. <laughs> oh, I love this Jackson she's playing. I've, I'm Google imaging them right now. Yeah. Um, the, it's got like a, they're one of the guitar players just left. Um, the, I think the, the, the blonde one, I forget her okay. name, uh, just because there's, they're, Brazilian and I'm terrible with names, but they they've got another guitar player filling in who's just as awesome. But yeah, they are really really good. Um, and it's just like really good bare bones death metal. Like just like when it just reminds me of like hearing death for the first time. Mm. Not exactly like they sound like that, but it has that feeling of like oh this is death metal. Okay, it's not like going too far in either direction but it's but it still feels good and new and stuff like that so i highly recommend them to check out um, that's that, great that's all i'll say uh, okay and then oh well gotta save grant's question for last <laughs> okay good old grant um who has his own amazing podcast into the comics cave go check it out i'm probably sure you probably heard an ad for it somewhere in the show already um he wants to know, would you still play guitars if they moaned with pleasure when you played them? 
Hundred percent. Of course, I would. Is that is that <laughs> not what we do anyway? Yeah, I, 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 I that's the goal. I, I, you know, I, I was gonna say something in response. Just because you know, Grant's a buddy, and he's just he always asks these fun, ridiculous questions. Um, and I had something really crass to respond to this, but I'm not going to. Daniel's a good boy. <laughs> he doesn't need to be involved in, in, in my response. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. If you, if you say to, if you say to crass the thing around me, I'll melt. <laughs> see, you see, we all we all know Danny has a very delicate disposition. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, Look at me. Oh, but perhaps, but yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, isn't that the point though? <laughs> to have to, to to, I don't know. I would feel bad if they didn't. I guess like I'm not doing my job. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, Grant. <laughs> so on that subject, guitars. Um, everyone knows I love guitars. Everyone knows you love guitars. Um, and before I start asking you about your collection and, and things you have and all that, I have to ask, what does the Daniel Warren Johnson signature guitar look like? And feel free to get uh, as nerdy with the details as you want. Yeah, I think it would be some sort of super strat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that are you looking for like a specific brand? No, like if someone's whatever brand you want says, "Hey, we want to make your guitar." What is it? What's mm. the body style? What's the hell? What's the you know uh, stainless steel frets? Medium jumbo? Yeah, what? jumbo. <laughs> I think definitely like the biggest scallop frets, upper frets are, you know. <laughs> Not scallops. Scallops too intense, but uh, the biggest frets that you can buy. I, that's what I want. Uh, I love feeling like I'm on railroad tracks when I play guitar. Uh, that's my personal preference. I, man, I don't know what kind of neck I'd want, but um, one thing I really love about 80s guitars, a lot of 80s shred guitars, this is very random, but a lot of them would have crazy colors for the body and then the headstock would be black mm-hmm. with the uh, logo in white or silver. And nowadays, it's more popular when you see a new guitar to have the headstock color match the body color. And I always get so sad because I love (laughs) black headstocks. So I think it would be some. It would be a red guitar with a black headstock, and I think a bird's eye, a roasted bird's eye maple fretboard. Mm. Um, Yeah, and I think some sort of like, you know, tongue oil rubbed finish. On the back of the neck, so we're easy slide up and down. And uh, HH configuration with a little bit of spank. So five-way, you know, yeah. uh, five-way pickup selector. Definitely have to have a trem on there. I don't know if I necessarily want a Floyd, but uh, I'm okay with Floyds, and I'm okay with, like, go-to 510s, the more mm-hmm. chill trems. But yeah. it's got to be a two-point system. No big bees for no bees for this guy. And, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's... That's kind of what I like. That that's kind of be my vibe. It'd be like kind of a really fancy one, but nice. yeah, I already, dude, I already kind of have my dream guitars. Like, but I digress. Well, you know, first off, that guitar sounds really nice. Uh, I only have one question about it: push pull pots. Okay, for the humbuckers. Uh, yes, although I, I, I for sure, I, I would never turn them down. I don't use them that much, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I just never find myself defaulting to that, especially if I'm playing live. I just kind of keep to one sound. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, bring it on. Yeah. Push pull. I love push pull. Oh, actually, actually, I guess there's two questions. What kind of humbuckers? What kind of pickups do you like? Do you have a preference there? 
Well, gosh, I love both. Like, I love low output stuff mm-hmm. that you might find in a Strat or in like a, um, you know, like a, a 335 style yeah. kind of guitar. But I also love high output stuff. Um, I'm not a huge fan of like the Fishman Fluence Moderns that you see on a lot of guitars now because they're so hot. Mm. Um, and I find them to be not super versatile. So I, I don't love those, but gosh, I'm trying to think of some pickups that I really like. There, I have a Mayonnaise guitar. I know it's like the Rolls Royce of, it's like a handmade in Poland guitar with like an absolutely beautiful burl top. And <laughs> oh my God, it's so beautiful. But there's T, uh, there's uh, bare knuckle pickups in those and they actually clean up really well. Like I, like I'm, I was really pleasantly surprised by how much I like the cleans on those bare knuckle pickups so i think those are the only bare knuckle pickups i've ever really played on but i would love to um i'd love to try and uh put more bare knuckle pickups in my other guitars i've heard someday i've heard nothing but great things about bare knuckle um i i watch a lot like we've mentioned a lot of guitar youtube and fishman fluences are like everywhere on yeah. guitar youtube and I like the sound of them, but it's also, it's kind of like the EMG thing where totally it's, it has that sound and that's it. Like for me. Well, yeah. yeah. And I really, I really don't like EMGs at all. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like compared to EMGs, I love Fishman's and I actually have them in my Ibanez RG 550. I I have it right here uh, where it's got uh, uh, HSH Mm -hmm. configuration pickup wise. And for whatever reason, they sound better than my other Ibanez that has them in there. Hmm. I don't know why. They just sound so much better. It might be because it, it, the guitar is a little brighter overall with like the maple fretboard okay. and bass, bass with body, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like them both. I, 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 like, I, like, I love both guitars, but the Fishman's I can take or leave. Okay. Um, yeah, you mentioned you have a Mayonis guitar. You have a lot of really nice guitars, and I think it's... I know, I do. I well no i you know there, there's two people that come to mind when i think of like n- like really nice guitars that's you and ben dewey and oh what does ben dewey have oh he has he's he's he like he has like some really nice les pauls and like he he's very much to, and if you know ben dewey you know he's not a snob about anything at all but he likes gibson and he likes the the, the nice name the, the the main brand i should say not the name brand the main brand he has an affinity for that kind of stuff. And so he has really nice fucking guitars. <laughs> and I look that's awesome. And I look around my room of now 15 guitars. And I I probably if I sold all my guitars at once, I'd probably maybe be able to buy one or two of your guys' guitars. <laughs> <laughs> I think the most expensive guitar I have here, uh the one I'd probably be able to get the most money out of it was will probably be my uh Squire Bass Six. Okay. And that's just because that's a pretty in demand style thirty inch scale guitar for like baritone stuff. Though uh, okay. Though I think that's it. Yeah, I, I think That sounds cool. I think there's a lot of knockoff oh not there's a lot of uh, cheaper brand variations of it, but I've seen that particular one that I got uh my wife got it for me oh i want to say probably seven years as a gift okay. and it's since then this band called loathe came out and okay. they're very like 
and they're they, they're very good they're but they have very low tunings <laughs> you know based <laughs> and all that and they have like a lot of like great like delicate melodies and, and clean singing but also like you know big guttural stuff but they kind of really popularized that guitar and so they kind of awesome. came like a frenzy for it so that that's probably what oh it that's great um i do have a a, a semi-rare 90s fender pj bass but it's in dire need of some work <laughs> okay so i don't think i'd fetch money much money for that but anyway i like but you know i like a i like a, uh a guitar i can kind of like mess with and, and do things on and swap pickups on most of the, totally. most of these guitars i've swapped pickups on i've done things to um my most recent acquisitions are a harley benton fusion 3 which is a super strat with a floyd rose thousand um and it's it, i got it because it was like 200 bucks and it was like spec to hell it's like got the it's got the floyd rose thousand it's got stainless steel frets um locking tuner you know the the whole locking tuner system coil split pickups it looks beautiful and then i also does look beautiful i'm i'm looking it up now Yeah, i got i got the red one um and then i also got their version of the music man bass which is this uh slick as hell matte black with a rosewood, the rosewood egg looking uh, pickguard. Awesome. And those two guitars are like, basically, I was looking for a, a, a Floyd style guitar because I don't have a Floyd Rose style guitar. And I'm like, I like okay. to have options and, and things to do. And it's like, oh, Swiss Armies. I like to have a Swiss Army collection of like sounds and yeah. things. And I said, I don't have this. And I was really looking at this, Fen- this Squire. Uh, modern player squire that kind of like fit my vibe totally but it was out of stock at sweetwater so then i'm looking at toman oh. which is in germany so you got to pay like an extra hundred bucks for shipping but their yep. prices are so much lower <laughs> and sure through the searching around i saw that they had this guitar which was specced better than the squire and then it was so much cheaper i could buy that base for like 120 bucks and still come out with shipping cheaper than what i would have bought the other guitar from sweetwater okay so i'm like well two two for cheaper than one who's gonna say no right and yeah so now now i have 15 guitars good for you (laughs) now i have 15 guitars in a very patient way (laughs) i have how many do i have i've got about 11 now um which is too many for me. I need to slim the herd, but I do love all of them. Before you do that, though, um, I think on your YouTube channel, you need to give us a guitar tour. <laughs> oh, man. That's, I would love to do that. But, uh, man, I don't know who would care about that. Uh, like, YouTube. <laughs> uh, if you put something up on YouTube that's, like, not part of your brand, yeah. it just slaughters you. Nobody watches it. Oh, yeah. Trust uh, Yeah, trust. Like, I don't try to do things on YouTube. Sometimes I just... I, it's kind of like a repository for things. But I kind of just like sure. doing some, like, fun, simple, like, low-key reaction videos to things. And those, yeah. like, do so much better than anything else. <laughs> Which is fine. I understand, like, the, the, the pools because people like watching those things and all that. But it was so weird that it's just like, why does this have like a thousand views when, <laughs> when like YouTube I, is so weird? It, it, it is so dang weird. But um, I would care. So I have to, I have to talk about my favorite guitars. I hope that's okay. Um, I'll allow they're it. They're not necessarily. They're not well. I I 
I have a mayonnaise Hydra Pro, so it's it's a mayonnaise headless model with a uh, with basically a Floyd trim system. It's not a Floyd, but it's you know it's you can do the wigglies and the dive bombies, <laughs> and it sounds incredible and it plays like butter. Uh, it's the nicest guitar I own, but I also have a Gibson SG Standard from 2006 mm-hmm. uh, that the headstock has broken twice. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I got it fixed twice. It is like. I feel like in some ways it's like the like trial of a of a Gibson owner. Yeah. It's like you have to have a neck that like bro- that breaks. <laughs> um, but man, it's so the neck is broken twice. It sounds and plays just as good as the day I bought it. Like it is an incredible instrument. I love that guitar. Um, and the others, honestly, like, gosh, I have a Jackson Soloist from 1988 Ooh. that I bought uh, before I started working on Murder Falcon. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like a huge part of the inspiration of that book. Like Jake, uh, the main character plays basically a red Jackson soloist. Yeah. Um, and, uh, with like a Falcon headstock Mm -hmm. and it's basically based on my guitar. My guitar has a reverse headstock and it's white, but it is the same guitar. Um, and, uh, I'll never get rid of that one. It was a huge part of like my healing journey after all the, the physical stuff that I was going through when I was working on extremity. And those are kind of my main ones and the ones that I don't ever see getting rid of unless I have to pay rent <laughs> for some reason, uh, which you never know can still happen, but I'll sell all the other ones yeah. before I sell those. Yeah. You also, uh, you have a Sir, don't you? I do. I have a Sir at HSH. It is awesome. Uh, it's going to the Sir factory for a new nut because mm. I have played it so much that the uh, I've actually like driven the D string nut into in like it's just worn out. It's a bone nut, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been worn out. So now whenever I hit the D string, it sounds like a B is coming uh, at, at me. Oh, you- it is a great guitar. I love it. It's one of my main ones. It's probably I don't know if I'll ever sell that one either. I love that one too. Is, it, is there a particular reason you have to send it to the factory? Is it like a nut a local luthier able to do that for you, or is it like a warranty thing? Well, Oh, I sent them. I sent because it's over three years old now, mm-hmm. um, and it's like beat to hell. I've dropped it like three or four times. There's a chunk out of the neck. Uh, the paint is coming off. It's amazing. I love it. Like I love that. That's my main. Yeah. It's my main gigging guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, oh man, I love it so much. <laughs> but. I was just figured, you know, I've loved this thing well, and I'll just message customer service to see what they say. And I, with like me taking full knowledge of like, hey, I'm I'm okay taking this to my local tech guy. You know, I just yeah. thought I'd message you in just to see what you'd say. And sure enough, they had me do a few tests on it. They sent had me send a video of me playing the bum D string, and they were like. Yep, uh, it looks like your nut is falling apart. So, uh, yeah, that's we're definitely going to fix that for you. And, like, totally free of charge. Wow. So, uh, all I have to do is just mail them the guitar. And they'll, they're going to fix it. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's customer service. That is customer service. I'm really, <laughs> really impressed with Sir's customer service. Thank you, sir. <laughs> you, you mentioned your SG, and the SG is the one, like, guitar style I don't have that I want. Oh, it's, I want it's so awesome. I want man. an SG style guitar with some like big old P90s in there, 
so that whenever, yeah. whenever I just want to get doomy and fuzzy, like I pull that guy out and just go to go to town on it. I struggle just because uh, one, I have a lot of guitars and like no time to play them, and two, <laughs> uh, it's just finding finding the right one and all that. And I, I have, as I mentioned, like I like kind of like mod- modding things and tweaking things, so I kind of like bounce between like wanting to do a kit. Yep. And, and building it from scratch and not from scratch, but like from the kit and finishing it myself and doing all that. Cause I had a lot of fun. I have a, a flying V that I painted with like the, the Kirby crackle. Yeah. And then, uh, that I, I like a lot. Um, the kit was, you know, it was a cheap kit from Australia, whatever. I had to like replace like pretty much all the electronics on it, but it was a lot of fun to do, you know? And so I'm like, that was, you know, that was kind of neat to do. Like, I'd like to do something like that. But maybe something that's, um, you know, maybe try to like to do a burst color or something like that with all that. But, you know, I, I like to do things that take time, apparently. <laughs> time I don't have. So, man, I, I the uh, like Gibson SG standards from like 05 to 08. Mm-hmm. They are really solid guitars. And if sometimes if you keep your eye on reverb you can find one for cheap if if the headstock is broken mm. you know and from what i understand um, that's a fairly easy repair if it's re- if it's if it's broken in the right way <laughs> right yeah i mean like they all break in the same place mostly when they do break yeah. um and they're actually it's funny the, my luthier was like it's funny like after they break they're stronger because the glue mm-hmm. that they use to hold the headstock in place is stronger than the actual wood yeah. that breaks in the first yeah. place. <laughs> yeah. Um, that- so, uh, but so if you can find one that's, that's been fixed, like it is a classic break, mm-hmm. like every Luther has d- dealt with it. And, um, you know, you sometimes you can find one for like seven, 800 bucks. that's had a broken neck. Oh, okay. And it does not affect tone or anything. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it's going to, it's not like it's any more likely to break on you again. Yeah. Like that glue is not going anywhere. I just broke mine for the second time because I put it on a spinning chair and then the chair spun uh, and it fell on his face. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't, do I have, a, I think the only Gibson type product, I have a Epiphone, their quote unquote 56 gold top, which has P, which mm-hmm. uh, I just put P90s back into it because I had hum, uh, humbucker size P90 in there for a while. Um, and I have to like finish tweaking that because something with the grounding isn't right. So it's like, it's a P90, so it's going to be noisy as shit, but it's noisier than it should be. <laughs> noisier than noisy, I should say. I will say the, the Epiphone SGs are also really solid. I like Epiphone a lot. I've played yeah. multiple ones. I've played multiple Epiphone SGs and they've all been great. Nice, nice. Uh, you, you mentioned like the Sir is like your main guitar. Is that, is that, the, is that the first guitar you kind of like, got where you're like everything kind of felt right with you like you found the right one yes yes for sure like that guitar i played it in the shop and i was like i have to buy this <laughs> um and it wasn't cheap you know i sold a lot of guitars to pay for i sold three guitars to help well, pay for it it's yeah sirs are fantastic instruments and uh i totally uh understand that though like finding that i think part of my appeal to like enjoying like budget guitars is when I first got back into guitar uh, about seven years ago, 
Um, it was after a long break, and I never really played guitar. I was mainly a bass player, but I knew a little bit of guitar and all that. I bought the Fender, not the, the Squire John 5 Telecaster. Yep. And just because I'm like, oh, so it's a black Telecaster. It has humbuckers. It looks cool. Let me check it out. I always liked the Telecaster shape and all that. And when I got it, it was, I had that feeling like, like, oh, this is my guitar. Mm. Like, oh, I feel more comfortable on this thing than I've ever felt on anything else ever. And so over the course of the past few years, I've modded it and I've done things to it. You know, I've uh, put like carbon vinyl, f- carbon fiber vinyl on the pick guard. So it has like that. It's not like the mirror pick guard it comes with. I put in, I've had two different kinds of pickups in there before. I had a dime bucket in there for the longest. Which I like. It's a very high output pickup, but I liked it. Um, but now, most recently, I have the uh, Demarzio Fortitude, which is the signature pickup from uh, the uh, from uh, Joe from uh, Gojira. Okay, he's like one of my favorite bands. So, you know, I kind of have his guitar, I guess, because <laughs> I have a Telecaster shape with the with the Fortitude yep. in there. But um, it it sounds on its own. And then I have a Invader in the neck. Because I got a set, okay. I got a set of Invaders and a Jackson Dinky from Norton. Uh, Mike Norton, he uh, he bought them, <laughs> I guess, nice. on a guitar buying spree, and he's just like, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I thought I'd like this guitar, I just don't. And he sold them to me for like <laughs> beyond dirt cheap. So now I have a Jackson Dinky, which actually for a, I think new they're like two twenty nine or something like that. It's a really fucking nice guitar. Like it's. The neck is super thin, but it feels sturdy. The yeah, it's a very. I, I never thought I'd like a Strat shape, much less a Jackson. That never seemed mm. to appeal to me, but it's a really nice guitar. So when you mentioned like the soloist and all that, I'm like, I get it. Like it's you know a visually appealing. It's not it's not my visual go to for guitar, but playing it super super comfortable. Totally, and I love you know. I love all kinds of guitars. Like I, I have a, I have an American Pro Two Strat that I love. I have a, I have two, three Ibanez guitars, two Super Strats, and a, and a three three five style one. Um, I have too many guitars. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> there's no, there's not too many guitars. It's it's just not enough time. That's the problem. We don't have enough time. Yeah, you should see all the pedals that I have. I, I was gonna get to that because I'm not a pedal guy, but I get being a pedal guy. <laughs> like I get it. Dude, pedals are so awesome. Like if I, I, cause I don't have a, I have a couple old bass amps. I don't have any guitar amps. Everything I do is plugins. And, you know, on the computer and all that. So I never really, like, yep. needed pedals. But I liked having the tactile idea. So I got, like... So just recently, I've got, like, this uh, Fuzz... This Donner Fuzz pedal. Uh, okay. Fuzz Seeker pedal. And it's really cool. It's it's really nice. It's It gets a lot of the fuzz tones I like. And it sounds really good. And it was only, like, 50 bucks. So it was, like, throw it on the Christmas list. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. I got this uh this brand Joyo. They have this uh an overdrive, just like a simple overdrive and I like it because I have plenty of like overdrive plugins and okay. But this is it's a different flavor. Like to 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 drive the signal already going into my interface to play it it just sounds different and it sounds really cool when I'm doing it with um 
if I'm just trying to do like a more rocky tone as opposed to a metal thing. And then I got like a cheap little wah pedal because I've had nice wah pedals before, but I've slowly gotten rid of them. And then I'm like, I kind of miss having a wah pedal. (laughs) I, I, I I had, I had the, the, the dime bag Daryl wah pedal and I regret selling that because that was a great wah pedal. It looked ridiculous, but it was a great wah pedal because it had all the customizable like frequency sweeps and all that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I missed that. But yeah, that that's kind of like my extent to pedals. But I know you got some crazy ass shit. <laughs> you and Dave Jordan, I do, are, are the pedal guy, and, and he's not on Twitter anymore. But Josh Flanagan, I don't know if you're familiar with him from iFanboy. You guys are the pedal guys, and <laughs> so I, it's always cool to see what like when you guys get a new one, like just like the craziness, or whenever you post a picture or something, and I see the pedals in the background, I just see like the the mess of wires. I just feel like it's got to be so much fun to feel like a mad scientist, just kind of plugging them in. Like, how does this, what if, like, order up, you know, mix up the chain of the pedals? Like, how does that work? You know, yeah, it's, is that something you kind of get lost in the weeds in sometimes where you're just like kind of like spending so much time messing around? You're like, oh shit, I should have played my guitar more. <laughs> oh, dude. I mean, one of the most relaxing things that I can do at the end of the day is like just sit down and put a few pedals together and just make some jams. And, you know, I have like a little looper yeah. and, man, I just, I love it. It's like one of my absolute favorite things to do, completely unrelated to drawing or anything comics wise. Um, this feels good. So, and I also love experimenting with different stuff like, uh, you know, like the rat pedal, mm-hmm. like the famous rat yeah. pedal. Like I don't actually have an original rat pedal because so many copycats have been made, you know, yeah. and so many different takes, but there's this, uh, company called 1981 inventions that, does like their take on a rat pedal and i've been using it for years because it sounds so good and there's this um other pedal company in greece called jam pedals and they make uh, a pedal called the rattler and you know i was like listening to some demos i was like this thing sounds so good but i already have kind of a rat style but i was like let me just get it i'll ab them Mm -hmm. and just see how they sound you know and they're totally they're like there's similarities, but they're also like totally different and they both sound so good. And uh, so that's really fun. Just kind of go back and forth. And then I love delays and running things in stereo. So I have two amps that are that, you know, have like a delay going to each amp and it just get lost in the sounds. And um, it's also separate from my like uh, art studio. Like I do have amps in my studio, but I have like a Fender amp uh, in my living room that I will just i'll just you know go there i'll sit i'll practice i'll play to a metronome for a little bit and i'll just make some riffs and it's so much fun it's nice nice um you being a father of two now you know uh, i'm sure i've congratulated you via social media but congratulations again uh thank uh, you thank you your boy um how how is it playing with with the little ones because i know your daughter is uh, I think maybe a couple years younger than mine. So it, can you sit down and play your guitar or is it, Oh, daddy's playing his guitar. I'm going to mess with it too. Um, sometimes it is, mm-hmm. but, um, it's not like, uh, I don't know. I don't really care if she like messes with my stuff because I feel like guitars and pedals are meant to be played mm-hmm. and be put into like stressful environments and situations. And, Honestly, if a four-year-old can ruin a pedal, 
was it really ever worth buying? No, no, no. <laughs> you know? no. Uh, and the only thing I don't let her do is bring water or drinks okay. <laughs> around to my pedals. But other than that, like, I yeah. just let her... Because, like, who doesn't want to press all the buttons, oh, you know? Oh, no, yeah, totally. Like, and uh, so sometimes she'll, like, actually come up with something really fun. And I just keep mm-hmm. her away from the volume. Okay. Because, <laughs> like, she'll blow her ears out yeah. by accident. But um, she's also really good at just chilling, you know? She's pretty good about, you know... Letting that jam. Letting me... Pl- yeah, letting me jam for a little bit, and then we'll play for a while, and then I'll jam for a bit, and we'll play, and then we'll go to the park. And um, that's not every day, you know. We all have bad days, but yeah, she uh, she's really an amazing person, and she's really good at. She's just a great hang. I'm proud of her. That's nice. Yeah, my my daughter just turned six, and she's just now like getting into like just like the other day, like I was messing with my bass, and I found I was just doing a little groove with the bass and all that. And then she comes, she peeks her head into the room and then I'm like, Hey honey. Cause usually she'll like run up and like want to play the bass and all that, which is fine. Yeah. But then it's like, you know, okay, well be gentle, please. <laughs> and all these things. And, and then, and so, so, but I just, I just kept playing and then she came in and she just started dancing. And it's like one of those, like one of those parental moments where you're just like, God, I want to remember this forever. Cause I'm just, you yep. know, it's, it's, it's like a scene from like peanuts. <laughs> Almost like the way she was dancing. And totally. And then, totally. And, like, and then her little brother came in cause he's two and a half. So he's like, you know, coming in doing his little shuffle and all that. And it's just like, ah, oh, God, this makes up for all the frustrating moments where, she, you know, uh, I'm trying to steal 10 minutes during bath time to play my guitar and they come running in. <laughs> And want to just that's awesome, but man. you know the pedal thing. Like if I had pedals and stuff out and they're tweaking with them, I'm like, go for it, like mess with it. Go ahead, let's see, let's see what we find out. Um, but yeah, so I, I was just wondering how that that balance worked out. So. Sometimes you know there are days that are better than others, and um, you know I'm always I'm I'm not nearly as good as a dad as I should be. Um, so I'm working on it. And uh, she's working on it, too. You know, she's learning how to be a daughter. I'm learning how to be a dad. Well, you know, it's uh, something I've said for a long time is like, you know, if you're worried about how good of a parent you are, you're probably a good parent. (laughs) (laughs) If if you're actually worried about how you're doing and and thinking about that, then trust me, you're, you're much better than the people who, you know. Uh, we'll just say that you know feel like everything you know their children are a burden and they should be grateful for everything you do (laughs) (laughs) i mean there are days where i feel like that but yeah i I get what you're saying we have our moments sure we all do We're, we're we're human beings you know and like you said you said something that's uh very true like you're learning how to be a dad she's learning how to be a daughter and you know, it's nice when those moments all coalesce and we're all, you're all in the same groove and the same vibe. And it's just like, this is what it's about. This is better than anything else. Totally. Um, totally. So, you, um, I don't want to keep you too much longer. <laughs> I know you're very busy and you probably want to get some work done or some rest. I don't know what your schedule exactly is, but. Or guitar. Yeah, there you go. Um, so you mentioned, you know, music is kind of separate from comics. You you kind of wove them in together yep. a little bit with Murder Falcon. You had the the EP you made with some songs. Um, 
Is that something you think about, though, doing like your own soundtrack to a book or weaving that in more? I know you've mentioned, if, I'm, if I recall correctly, you're kind of working on an album of stuff eventually to do. Is, is, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I was trying to work on um, like a sci-fi heavy metal, death metal concept album based on my favorite novel, uh, Hyperion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I... I I was reaching for the stars on that one. I, I'm not sure if it's gonna happen. I do really love writing music. I love recording it. Um, I'm like I don't like mixing it very much, but you know I make it sound as good as I can. And um, you know I I love just being creative outside of comics too. So this kind of allows for me to do that. And I do play a lot with like synthesizers and drum machines. And actually, I did like a do a power bomb. Um, preview video and i uh wrote and recorded that like little ditty it's something special but you know i did it all myself and i recorded it into my interface and all that stuff and it was really fun so every every once in a while i it, the the ability to make music and record it is really useful um so i'm thankful for the knowledge how to do that and uh i want to do it more for fun but this like you said there's just no time mm-hmm. so as things start calming down like once the baby my baby Bo gets a little older um you know I think there'll be time for me to be a little more creative and actually get ideas down in a more permanent way than just a voice memo (laughs) (laughs) you know I I have everything in my office ready to set up to record very easily I can't tell you how many times I'm still like in the back of the house with my voice memo going okay riff idea three and then like mouthing the riff and then like tr- and trying yeah. to get myself notes to it like oh it's probably starting at like c sharp and then going to like <laughs> so yeah I, I i feel i certainly feel you there um no i I've, i always enjoy when you put up the music snippets and all that and you know i feel like our personal music um tastes don't overlap 100 percent. i think sure because uh, i think you like a lot more of the proggy technical kind of stuff like you're very much you know you've been learning how to shred and all that and i'm i'm very much like i like a groove you know i, I like i like this thing. i'm like i like a rhythm guy more than anything not that you're not but you sure know I mean? sure um no i get you but more but i've been coming up against that wall where it's like well i can stay where i'm at now or i can try to improve and i can try to learn more mm-hmm. soloing stuff being more comfortable with scales moving up and down the neck so i've been I'm in the middle of deadline hell right now, but you know, once that's done, like I'm looking forward to like, you know what? Maybe like, I don't want to do like sweet picking and stuff. That seems like way too much. That like, this doesn't like light my fire. Like I like listening to it. Sure. sure. You know, it sounds cool and impressive and you know, when it's in the right spot, it's, you know, epic. <laughs> uh, but for yeah. like, like, do I want to do that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that. But you know, it takes way too it takes way too much time to like get get good at if you're not passionate yeah, about it. And so totally, totally, yeah. And and personally, like like well, if I wanted to learn how to solo, how do I want to solo? Like, and I'm like, well, you know, I just want to like, for, for, I can't I can't define it musically. I was like, I just want to learn how to rip, like, <laughs> and I I, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense to you. <laughs> like, I, it does. I, I feel like I feel like Zach Wild or something like that. Like that just got, he just fucking rips. Like and sure he can do he, he can does. he can do all that stuff but he kind of stays in that pentatonic 
wheelhouse. He just and he just fucking wails and and rips and and does that. Like that, that that's kind of how I feel like I would like to do something like that. Or like I think slash rips. Like he just goes. Um. Yep. Is is there a a particular like musician you kind of like feel like you want to kind of like get that vibe for what you do? Oh gosh. Man, I don't know. I I've never thought about it that much. I've always just wanted to shred. Um and I like that technical aspect of playing guitar to the point where it's like a detriment on my like evolution. <laughs> so I you know, I, I try and I what I find is that different guitars in my collection will make me play differently. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, yes. So yeah, so I like I play like different things when I'm on my strat. I play different things when I'm like on the Mayones. I play different things when I'm on the 335. And uh I'll kind of like pick the guitar to match kind of my mood and my need for like chill or it's like you know, like am I going to work on something intense today because if I do, it's usually the sir that I'll pull out cuz that's like the guitar that I play the most when I'm actually playing in front of people. Um and uh but if I'm just like looking to uh, chill, I'll usually just pull out my SG and I will just chill. So I do love coming up with things that are simple. And I like also celebrating simple things because one thing that does happen when you play guitar a lot and, you know, you play into a metronome and you're pushing yourself is that a simple chord can sometimes seem like not enough when that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. You know, like simple is fine. Simple is great. So I've always felt like there's something that like a a lesson I needed to learn now that I'm kind of on the other side of the technical ability. Um, It's to the point where, you know, I can sit down and I can learn something in about a day and I've got it. Um, I can't read music or anything, but, you know, I can I'm pretty darn good. So but at the same time, you know, that comes at a cost. You know, it's like I I, it's sometimes it's it's, uh, hard to just enjoy simplicity in music and. Just like how I've kind of taught myself in art how to kind of accept who I am as an artist and all that messy ruggedness, <laughs> I feel in some ways I'm still slowly but surely making my way in that in that regard with guitar as well. Awesome, awesome. Well, sir, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I had a blast chatting with you. Totally. Uh, I will absolutely bug you to do this again. <laughs> And okay. uh, before before we wrap up, I will say that um, if at any point you're working on something and you're like, I don't feel like mixing this, uh, send me a message. I like mixing. I like doing stuff. I have all the stuff. Like I like, okay. I'd love to give it a shot um, if my time allows it. Like that's it's something I I enjoy doing. I find it's um, okay. Yeah, and then uh, I'll have to convince you to do uh, some Riftober one year. <laughs> Oh yeah, maybe I'll join you for a guest solo or something. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you to that idea, <laughs> and I'll okay. and come September I'll be like, hey Daniel. <laughs> uh, okay, no, do it. Uh, and yeah, so then, th- thank you so much for coming on. I had an absolute blast. Um, let everyone know now where they can find you on social media and when uh, they can expect to get power bombed by Doer Power Bomb. Yeah, so um, Duo Power Room comes out June 15th, which actually, by the time that this drops, it'll just be a few days of it coming out, correct? Uh, yes, this is dropping on 
why am I spacing on? Because time is an illusion. Um, on the 27th. 27th, okay, yeah, so FOC will have passed. Okay. Um, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, what comes out, comes out soon, so... When does um, FOC end? Uh, FOC is Monday. It's the 23rd. Okay. Um, no, I was, I was trying to see, like, oh, can, can I get this out earlier for you? No. No worries. Not at all. That's not why I did it, you know, I just did it to talk, and it's been a long time coming, so... Not worried about that. But, you know, Dual Power Room does come out June 15th, so please get, check it out if you feel so inclined. Um, you just Google my full name, Daniel Warren Johnson, you will find all of my things. I do go live every Friday on YouTube on a, on a show called, uh, it's called Friday with D-Dubs. It's a good time. Um, I'm basically just working on stuff that I'm behind on. And, uh, yeah, come join us. It's, it's a blast. It, it, it is. I, I try to catch it when I can. Usually when it falls between uh, dishwashing time, I can prop up my phone, <laughs> pop in my earbud, and uh, it's a great crowd that's there. Uh, Dan's always showing the good stuff, the process, the working, and answering questions and all that. It's a great chill time. I highly recommend you guys. Well, I'm not good at answering questions. I just basically sit and draw and I answer questions as I can. But trust me, if you're that, looking for that, chill, that's, that's what we want. <laughs> that's. That's the kind of right that's the on. kind of uh, brand I can get behind, sir. So yeah, it's mostly me drawing in silence. <laughs> Who am I kidding? <laughs> and and it's also kind of fun seeing the chat and the people going and you know and all that and seeing familiar names pop up and all that. So yeah, definitely go check yeah, it out. Man. There'll be links to all of that in the show notes. Once again, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. Absolute blast. Thanks for having me so much. It's been a great we'll, time. Yeah, we'll have to do it again. Hopefully, uh, we'll we'll meet and. Uh, meet again in real life soon who knows what it's going to go on with C2E2 and all that but yeah hopefully before too long rock and roll